Welcome, guys, to Self-Evident Podcast number 37. I am Mike. Massey is gone this week. He will also be gone next week. Um, This week he is in Massachusetts, and he is speaking out there, and so please be praying for him. Um, Next week he will actually be in Bogota, Colombia, with our next guest, who I have here, Pastor Todd Mazingo with Revive Church. Look, if you're in the Stewart area, Port St. Lucie, Hope Sound, any of Really, the Treasure Coast. We'll take it. Um, you've got to check out Revive. Obviously, God is doing a lot of things in a lot of churches, um, but there's something special about Revive. And so I just, I'm calling it out for you. If you're looking for a church, you're looking for a place that really marries the Spirit and the Word, please come check out Revive. So with that out of the way, Pastor Todd, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Good, thank you. So when I had approached you um, about this topic, we might as well get right into it. Go for it. Um, I had sent you a text, and and it was kind of something out of my own life because I was thinking this would be the perfect time to sit down with you and, and ask some questions of what's going on in my life, and maybe this helps somebody at home. Um, so there's adjustments and changes coming with self-evident ministry, and I'm going to be moving into a more active role with the ministry. And my, my prayer and my concern has been, okay, when do I step out into this position since it's really full-time ministry, you know, in a certain aspect. Um, and so I wanted to approach you and get your wisdom and have a conversation about what, what should a person be looking for in their relationship with God when, when they're coming into a new season? And also, there's a story you tell, which I'd like you to tell, um, when you were eyeballing this change of season and looking to go into full-time ministry, that that story always resonates with me. So I think I'll start off with that. If, if you could just kind of tell where you were before ministry and the steps leading up to actually jumping off the diving board into full-time ministry. Yeah. You know, for me, I think, um, if you grew up in church, there was always some level of ministry you were involved in. You know, in my twenties, I was serving on committees in Baptist churches and teaching Sunday school classes and that kind of thing. Uh, but all the time I was pursuing a career in manufacturing operations. I was general manager, plant manager, director of operations, those kind of things for manufacturing plants. And that was going well. I loved my job. I loved what I was doing the whole bit. Uh, My personal journey began as far as seriously looking at taking the step over into ministry and completely out of the secular world uh, when my first wife passed away of cancer. Uh, In the middle of that journey, or near the end of that journey, let's say, uh, God kind of met me in my living room and gave me a scripture and said, hey, uh, in in, uh, Daniel... Chapter 1, verse 5, it says he trained them for three years and they entered the king's service. Mm-hmm. And I knew for me that was a call to ministry, even though I didn't know what that looked like. I knew it was coming, but I had no idea how that was going to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and because my wife's journey was at the three-year mark, literally to the day from when we found out about the cancer, I assumed that the three-year training mark was up till that day. Uh, okay. So my training was complete. In other words, yeah. I'd been trained for three years. What I didn't know is his plan was to move me into ministry three years from that point. Uh, And so for the next three years, uh, I'll tell you, it was just an incredibly frustrating time. Fully engaged in my career, 
fully enjoying that, knowing that I was supposed to somehow move into ministry, but couldn't get a clear vision of it, couldn't get a picture of it, wasn't sure how that was going to look. Um, and, uh, in, in that process, he began to open doors. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, probably the, the climatic point of the story for me was uh, I was serving on the weekend as a worship leader in a church. And I was very, very frustrated because it was about the three-year mark. And I was saying, okay, God, I don't get it. You, you, you tell me you want me in ministry, but there's no open doors. Every time one seems to open, it gets closed. And, and you know, I'm, I'm wanting, I'm wanting, I'm wanting, I'm wanting yeah. to do this thing that God's called me to do. And yet I don't have the opportunity to do it. I got an invite to come and talk to a pastor about changing their church from a traditional worship service. In other words, from hymns and piano and organ and starting a second service for them that was fully contemporary. So you're talking about going from PA systems to sound systems, you know, changing a lot of things. There's a lot of funny stories in that, but we'll we'll leave them (laughs) aside for now because that's not really our point for tonight. But in the process of that, I, I go sit down with this pastor, and uh, he's saying, hey, can you just help me? I know you come from a contemporary format, so can you tell me how to do it? Yeah. And so I walk through this whole process at a Cracker Barrel in Louisville, Texas, for two and a half hours, talking to him about what equipment he's going to have, how to pick your people, you know, how to do your training, how to get the culture of your church to shift from that traditional to contemporary. Yeah. All of that laid all out, I'm done. He looks at me and says, great. Now, would you come and be our worship leader? <laughs> and I was like, you know, <laughs> I'll let that's you not what I came here for. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't even mind the work to do it. But at the church I was currently serving at, our pastor just had a literal uh, fetal position mental breakdown. Had really? to check him into a hospital. Yeah. And so I was the worship leader. There was a children's minister, an office administrator. That was the whole staff. Wow. And so I was saying, there's just no way I'm in the middle of all of this over here at my church. There's no way I can come and serve at your church. And it was a full-time position. You know, he wanted yeah. me to do some other things too. So I don't know, a day or two later, I'm driving to work and I'm back on this thought, God, why aren't you opening the door? What's the deal with why I'm not in ministry? If you told me three years ago, I'm going to be in ministry. And man, just as clear as a bell, I get this voice in the car. I'm not talking audibly. I'm talking to my spirit that says, I gave you the open door. You closed it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, here was, you know, this guy offered me the job. He really didn't know me other than this two and a half hour conversation. And uh, so on the way to work, I had about a 45 minute drive. I'm, I'm talking to God and I'm saying, look, if I mess that up, if that was my opportunity, it's really awkward after you tell somebody you don't want the job <laughs> to call them back and say, uh, I do want hey, the job. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> kind of messed that one up. So I said, would you have that pastor contact me again? Yeah. And I'm, I'm seriously driving to work. I get to my office. I open up my Outlook. My first email is from the pastor, and it says, would you please reconsider? Amen. So I called him (laughs) up later that day. I said, let me put my notice in here. You know, I'll I'll start, and we worked it out from there. So it was, for me, um, maybe a little different from you. I still understand the perspective of what you're going through because I've had to make other steps of faith in order to take on a challenge that's ahead of me. But for me, it was I knew it was coming. 
I was just waiting for it to come. I, I couldn't see it coming. And when it came, it went right by me. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny you say that because is immediately when you said doors seem to keep closing, yeah. that's exactly how I've felt for the past couple of years. There you go. You know, it was really not too long after I had met Massey, I really felt, okay, I'm supposed to do something with him. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure what this is, but I know I'm supposed to do something. And it went as far as, me thinking, okay, maybe I'm supposed to join the group that he was with originally. And thankfully the Lord shut the doors on that. And there was, I never had peace of stepping out into that. And I was like, okay, I'll be patient then. Um, And coming down here, we thought, okay, wheels are going to start turning and the wheels never turned, Mm -hmm. but the Lord always provided work for Mm -hmm. my family. So it was, okay, Lord, now is not the time. And it's been, that moment where I feel like a racehorse with the gates closed and I'm waiting for the starting. Yep. You know, I'm waiting for those gates to, to pop open and I'm seeing things now that I'm wondering, okay, maybe the gates have are starting to pop open. Yeah. And something you just said connected with me where you're driving and you go, okay, Lord, what's going on here? I gave you the opportunity. You're the one who shut the door. (laughs) It's like, I've never thought about that. We, we have the choice to shut the door on the opportunity. Oh, certainly we do. Certainly we do. And, and, and I I think when it comes to opportunities like this, where you've known in your heart for a while, okay, that there's something here that I'm pursuing, even though I don't exactly have a clear picture of what it is. I think there's two real key things to remember. One is anytime you go back biblically, except for the disciples, nobody was instantly called. Everybody was told it was coming, and then it was years before it happened. I mean, when you consider David is actually anointed as the king while he's still a shepherd boy. You will be the king. So you got to know his life was, what does that mean? Do I need to move to Jerusalem? Do I need to get to know Saul? How does this go? Put in my two weeks with the sheep. There you go. And so it's same way with uh, Abraham. He tells him, you're going to have a son. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you look chronologically, it's like, I don't know, 14 years later before he actually has Isaac because he's raising Ishmael and he thinks Ishmael is it. Yeah. I, I mean, if you read that scripture, uh, Abraham actually says when God comes and says, no, it's going to be someone from your and Sarah's loin, he says, oh, no, that it would be Ishmael. So you know for 13 years he thinks it's Ishmael. He's pouring into Ishmael, huh. pouring into Ishmael, pouring into Ishmael. And then God comes and says, oh, oh, no, it's not him. That was from Hagar, and it's going to come from Sarah. So all of a sudden everything changes, and 14 years later he's at a do-over point with, with his son, yeah. if you will. So uh, one of the things I think we have to think about is I think God actually does that on purpose. And I'll, and I'll tell you what I've learned as, as to why I think he does it. I think he tells you way in advance that it's coming to, in essence, build your spiritual anticipation. In other words, you're going to get so hungry for it that when the opportunity comes, there will be no doubt You'll be yeah. ready. You want to do it. You've been waiting for it for years. You know, you've been wondering and frustrated why not so that it's not a, well, yeah, that could be something I could do. I'm not sure I really want to do that. Yeah. But you've got all that built up. The second yeah. thing is that I don't think we think about, and I really think this probably applies to you more than the first, is oftentimes what God is doing is he knows you're going to be ready, but he has to get the situation ready for you. Hmm. 
In other words, there were things that had to happen, and I think I can speak boldly here. Yeah, there were things it. that had to happen inside of self-evident with Massey yeah. before we could get to the point where it was, it's you yeah. and it's time. Uh, and so God is working this plan where he's planted the seed in you so he grows your anticipation while he's preparing the path and getting it ready so when the time comes, you know it, Massey knows it, and it begins to work. Yeah. And I, I think that's where you're at in this ministry. I think you've known it's coming. Yep. You've known there's more, but you've always wondered how is that going to be in light of what's in place already. Yeah, and and there there really have been developments in in the past you know month or so that have really spurred us on of like, oh oh okay now is the season. Yeah, um, and it was interesting. I went as far as you know in my own work praying. Okay, Lord, if I have to leave this company please provide somebody that can take over my position. And actually one of our young adults who used to work for the company had gone, you know, to work for another company, decided that he, he wasn't happy what he was doing and had actually asked my boss for his job back. Yep. And he, he did the exact same thing that I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, okay, Lord. So <laughs> like today, do you want a month from now? Like, yeah. When, you know, so that's kind of the next step of, and that's what I wonder is, okay, has the Lord opened the door and said, look, I answered your prayer to find somebody to replace you. Yeah. Now is the time because the hard part is that dreaded word finances. Yep. Faith versus finances. Yep. You know, <laughs> it sounds yep. like you've got some experience in well, that Well, let realm. me just say, uh, without going too graphic on numbers here. Uh, what I was making as a manufacturing uh, director of operations and what I started at in ministry was half. Uh, and, and when you're talking about an adult that has a family, that has a home, that mm -hmm. has cars, that has responsibilities, all that kind of thing, uh, you really kind of throw it in front of God and say, okay, you know, God, you got to take care of this stuff here, right? Because <laughs> this paycheck and this paycheck, they're nothing alike. Uh -huh. uh, but what I found out was um, he would rearrange it all so that the timing just worked out perfectly if mm. I would just continue to move forward. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's horrendous, actually. I mean, the truth is walking in faith. If you go back to Hebrews 11, uh, you know, that, that first verse that defines what is faith, okay? Yeah. Uh, it, it's actually talking about the hope of the unseen. It's your confidence in something you haven't seen yet. In other words, I cannot move in faith if I know what's next. Because Good if point. I know yeah. what's next, I can't move in faith. Faith has to be evidence unseen. It has to be yeah. the hope of things to come, if you will. And so God puts us in a place to learn to exercise faith by not showing us so that we can move out and see that he does take care of us. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a hard thing to do. It just really is because you want to be responsible. You want to see how it's all going to lay out. You want to walk in. Look, you're married and you got a kid. Precisely. Yeah, there's you're someone else that wants to know what the plan is too. Exactly. You know, how are you going to pay for this now? And she's tapping me on the shoulder going, you're not forgetting the checkbook, are you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and, and the beauty of it is, uh, you know, I'm enough involved to know that I believe this is your time. And I believe God is preparing this path for you. Mm. Therefore, I know God is going to work out the finances for you. Which is... I, 
there's a guttural response of, yes, I have faith that he'll provide the finances. But then when it's... <laughs> and then oh, there's a bank account. It, there's a bank account <laughs> that's staring me on my phone, right? Sure. <laughs> so it sure. goes, maybe I'll wait to talk to my boss until I get one more confirmation. I almost think of Gideon. Yeah. Um, and, and I was studying up Gideon recently, actually. And what I found interesting, I like your per- I would like your perspective on this. It seems as though God's rather patient with Gideon. Because Gideon, Gideon, no, it's, it's it's not me. It's not me. It's not. No, I chose you. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, and I think and <laughs> I think probably the the biggest misunderstanding of the Gideon story uh, is the fleece laying. Yeah. Uh, because if you really go back and examine what's happening there, Gideon is showing an intense lack of faith. Yeah. What he's saying is, okay, God, but if the if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, we're good. Oh, it turned out that way. Let me flip it on you, God. And he even says, I don't want this to make you angry, God, but could we do this again? And so I think a lot of times believers lay fleeces, thinking it's a good thing. But truly, laying fleeces is showing a complete lack of faith. God, you've told me this. Now I need you to confirm it. And then I need you to confirm it. And then I need you to confirm it. I'm laying these fleeces so that I don't have to walk into the unknown by faith. Which... What I one of the things that I see as interesting is, is God doesn't push back on him on that because I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, if we keep leaning fleeces, at some point we're just creating this cycle of, oh, well, that's close, but not quite, you know. Yeah. And they did it with Christ. Okay, well, that healing was good, but now we want you to do this. Now yeah. we want more signs and more right. signs, and so that we don't have to yeah. exercise any faith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. If we build up enough evidence, suddenly it's. Yeah. I mean, Gideon obviously has this story of saying, hey, I'm, I'm from the least tribe. I'm the yeah. least in my family, the whole bit. He doesn't see himself that as all. God steps in. Uh, and I believe uh, actually it's, it's part of my message on Sunday, this Sunday, is that uh, that's a Christophany. I think that's actually Jesus yeah. Christ that meets with him at the Oak of Ophrah and says, you're a valiant warrior. Yeah. Now, Obviously, from Gideon's response, he thinks of him as anything but a valiant warrior. And, and God is always seeing you in who you're going to be, not who you are. Um, this thing about time and God, I, I think, is probably the most complicated thing for us to actually deal with. God created time. Yeah. This is why he can say, I am because this sun and moon thing that we call time, this circling of a sun, uh, in, 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 um, in Genesis chapter 8, I believe it is, he says, as long as there is seed time and harvest, hot and cold, spring and day and night, the earth remains. So the earth and the sun solar system has created this thing called time. Well, mm-hmm. God created that sun and that earth. In other words... Before that was there to measure time, what measured time? Nothing. There is no measurement of time where God is. So when he calls you to something, you're called to it because he's already there. We don't get that. We work linearly. We work in today, tomorrow, the next day, the future. He doesn't. He's spread out over the whole thing. So he already sees Gideon as a valiant warrior. He already sees you in in full-time ministry. So he's sitting back saying, what are you waiting for? And we're like, time. Time. (laughs) Waiting for time for this to make sense and time for this to be figured out because I'm not there. Yeah, (laughs) it's tough. So what? when you were going through your own transition, 
do you thinking back do you remember certain battles certain struggles of, of thought process and if i'd like you to kind of delve into those a little bit you know so people know yeah. Look, what battles might I have and how to overcome them? Overcome them on a I, I think the, the biggie for me was um, you knew the call. Yeah. Okay, God, you want me to go into ministry. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, I told you about what happened at my church with the pastor. So the first thing that happens is the children's pastor steps up and says, hey, I've had a dream that you're going to be our next pastor. And I'm like, okay. Maybe sure. that's what you've been talking about, God. I mean, I've never thought about going full on. You know, I thought I was going to be a worship guy, but if you need me to be a pastor, yeah. I've been teaching Bible for years. So, okay, let's do this. She passes it over to a pastor search committee who says, yeah, that's a good thought. We'd like to talk to you. A week later, they come back and say, well, we talked some more and decided, no, nah, you're probably not the right fit. But we think what we'd like you to do is be the executive pastor. We want you to run the business side of it because you're a businessman and you can teach the Bible, but... You know, we don't know that you're called to be a pastor, but we know you're called to business. So why don't you come and help us be a business guy? So what was your reaction right at that point? My reaction was, uh, uh, could we just could we just make a decision because I'm ready to move? You <laughs> yeah. know, I don't care if I'm the executive or the worship or the pastor. I just want to I just want to go forward. Yeah. A week later, they come back and say, well, we just realized that if we hire a pastor that's not you, that pastor is going to want his own executive pastor. Hmm. So we're not going to offer you the executive pastor spot. So then you're sitting back saying, okay, I'm this part-time worship guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in essence teaching the Bible study classes. I'm filling the pulpit when you need me to and all that kind of thing, but you don't have a role for me. Okay. I, I'm literally, and, and, and this is the, this is where it gets um, maybe a little more emotional. I'm going home. Uh, and I own a home that has a swimming pool in the backyard, and, and I play guitar. And so I'm literally coming home in the evening, picking up my guitar, and I'm walking around my pool singing praise songs and basically weeping, and I'm just yeah. frustrated. It's like, I'm ready. You called me. I would do it. Why won't you get the door open? Yeah. Uh, and that went on for literally a better part of a year of not understanding why that door isn't getting open. Then I get this call to go have breakfast with another church. Hmm. And, and that door ends up being the door that I was waiting for, that God was preparing them for me, but they weren't ready for me until yeah. they decided they wanted to go ahead and go with the contemporary, and this guy is a guy that can maybe do it for us. Huh. Which that's when we step back and we look at the different things that God is doing in different areas, you know, cause we tend to think about our one track. Okay, yep. God, you haven't done this for me right now. It must, I must be reading this completely wrong yeah. when in actuality, it, like you said, he's bringing stuff together and, and I'm he's reminding always, myself, he's Oh yeah, plan. he's working the big plan. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. doing the big picture. Yeah. Now let you me, know. let me, let me, let me give you the follow up. and I'm not, I don't know if this name will be familiar to you or not, but the pastor that they brought in, after deciding not to use me, was Matt Chandler. Oh. The Village Church yeah. in, in, in Flower Mount, or Highland Village. Uh, it was Highland Village First Baptist when I was there, uh, and Matt Chandler came in, brought his own worship guy, brought his own exec pastor, and I moved out to this other church and, yeah. and began working there. So God had a bigger plan for that Highland Village Church than me. Yeah. And I'm not insulted by that. I'm saying, wow, look at a great thing that ended up happening there that I didn't see because yeah. I was waiting for my shot. Yeah. 
which and that's that's a faithful position to because it would be very easy to go. I could have been a part of that. I I could have been a part of this big movement, and then you guys cast me out, or I you know even the the prideful part of. I could have done what he's doing now, you know. Yeah, I don't know that I could have done what Chandler's doing. Um, you know, Michael Bleeker was his worship guy, and I was the mm-hmm. worship guy at the church at the time. And I knew that uh, that uh, they had been together for a while, uh, so I knew he was going to bring his own worship guy. And that's why when the door opened to go be a worship guy somewhere else, and it, mm-hmm. it included some other responsibilities that made it a full time job instead of just a weekend gig, if you will. So it it all worked out the way. Now, would I have loved to have been part of the village? Absolutely. I think that would have been a great ride. Uh, but I think the church I went to would have never been who they became if I hadn't gone there. Yeah. Uh, because they, they, were, they were in a 27-year history of uh, hymn books and uh, choirs and organ and piano and a quickly, quickly graying cloud, crowd yeah. because they couldn't draw anybody else in with that style. And so it opened the door for them to, to move forward. And, and there's a great growth there. And I went from there to Florida after that. Yeah. So, um, you know, stepping out in faith, uh, number one, it cannot be faith if you know what where you're going and what you're doing. Yeah. It has to be blind. And so you have to go for it, too. You can't forget that God's working a bigger picture to get things ready that your timing doesn't necessarily agree with because he's not operating in time. He's operating in what he's accomplishing. And for us, we're having to wait through the time on that. Uh, And three, the greatest ride of all is to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there doing what you're supposed to do. And that's, that's what he lines up, man. And that's, that's part of my, it's, it's a blessing and a curse in a way of, I I always want to be, in his will. I, always perfectly in his will. Yeah. Almost to a fault. Yeah. Hence the, the curse part of it of I'm so, I don't want to say afraid, but I'm always trying to be so careful to be in the right position where he wants me, when he wants me, that I almost get that fear of stepping out of, I don't want to step out if he doesn't want me to, yeah. you know? <laughs> there, there's a balance going on in you. It's yeah. a balance that goes on on every believer who wants to fulfill the call of God on their life. The balance is over here, I have this innate passion in me that I want to fulfill God's mm-hmm. plan. So I got to see it and I got to know it. And I, I really, really, really want to do what he wants me to do. And I, and I know that's going to be incredibly edifying. I'm looking forward to that well done one day, you know, yeah. that man, you were in there and you just followed it and you did the whole thing. On the flip side, there's this other problem. The problem is I don't know where he's going and I don't know what he's doing. And so people come to me and they say, well, how do you know if you're in the will of God or not? And, and I think this is a much simpler answer because what we do typically to figure out if I'm in the will of God is I read all the data. Yeah. What does it look like he might be doing based on that happening, this happening, this conversation I had, that position, my wife, my kids? All, yeah. what I, and, and it's like we think we have this puzzle that we have to fit together. And once we get it fit together, we'll know what the will of God is. I think the simpler answer to what the will of God is, is you're in the will of God if you are not resisting God. Hmm. Good point. So the question then becomes, if anybody comes to me and says, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? I ask them, what did you do to get out of it? Where did you say no? Where did you resist him? Where did you say, I don't want to move forward in that, God? 
because if I'm not resisting him, then he's taking me where I want to go. It's the Jonah story. Yeah. I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, if you run that way, you're outside of the will of God. But if you run to Nineveh, everything's cool. He got the direction to go to Nineveh. He should have gone to Nineveh. He didn't. He was outside of the will of God. Yeah, I so I measure myself by what do I feel like God's told me to do that I said no to? What did I resist? What did he bring my way that I'm somehow pushing back on what I think is a direction of his? And if I'm not, if I'm not resisting God in any way, then I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to open doors. I'm waiting for him to put things in place. I'm waiting for him to get the situation ready. Uh, You know, I think we have this, this innate thing in us that makes us feel like if I'm not doing, I'm failing. Okay. (laughs) And so we have to do, and God is like, you know, David, I told you you were the king when you were a shepherd boy at 17 years old. You didn't become king until you're probably 30. I think it was at least 27. All in that time, you could have been banging on the door, trying to make your crown, trying to convince everybody you're, or you could just wait until he calls you to play music for him and play music for him. Because that's all you need to do today is play music for him. So that's a... That's a process of doing what the Lord's given you at the moment. So when I'm with the company that I'm working for, I'm doing my best each day to serve the company. How are you going right? to know when to resign? That's one of the things I'm struggling with. Okay. Is, is how do I know, okay, now is it. I've got to go in today and talk to him and say, look, I need to put in my two weeks. Um, and one of the things that was like a, ooh, was when this other person presented themselves to my boss. Yeah. You know, they, it was like, Oh, okay, Lord. Because in my head, I was kind of thinking, okay, once that person presents themselves, it's kind of a, you know, okay, everything's put into place. So I'm struggling with, was that, you know, I'm yeah. getting into that. Oh, was this the, the thing to signal to me go or yeah. is there something else or do I need to just step out in faith? And once I make that step, then God will go, okay, you've made the step. Let's get rolling. Yeah. So let's talk about testing God. Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes our steps of faith are really just testing God. In other words, I'm going to go ahead and quit my job, God, just to show you how dedicated and true I am to doing this. And God's saying, I never asked you to quit your job. (laughs) And now you want me to salvage the situation because you did something you weren't supposed to do. Uh, I think it's again, that desire to move it forward for God instead of let God tell you, now, now's the time to quit. Go quit. You know, I I quit a job one time at a a, a manufacturing position, uh, and I didn't even know what my next job was. I just came in. It was directly after my wife passed away. And I went back to work, and I worked for about six months. And I came into my own staff meeting with my own team. And about halfway through the meeting, I just got this clear, straight-to-the-heart message, go turn in your resignation. You're not supposed to be here. I went back to my desk. I filled out my resignation. I handed it to my boss. He said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. He said, well, where are you going? I said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just know I'm supposed to quit. He said, this Mm -hmm. sounds crazy. How do you know? How do you? I said, well, I think God has a plan for my life. And he said, he hadn't told you what it is yet. (laughs) I said, no, but he did clearly tell me I need to resign. What it ended up happening is I had to resign that job because there was another man who needed one year worth of help. Hmm. And I went and I helped him for one year. I didn't know it was one year. I just knew I had to go reorganize his company so that he could become very, very profitable, which he did. 
But it was that job, that one-year job, that I ended up leaving to go full-time into ministry. But I had to leave the first one in order to have that year to help this man before I could go into ministry. But it all came down to, I don't know the plan. I don't know the timing. All I have is the desire, and God is saying, don't test me by forcing my hand. Don't tell me you're going to quit, and then I'm supposed to rescue you, and I didn't tell you to quit. And so I'm, I'm... I know the plan, at least the next step of the plan. Mm-hmm. I know the season of it, and I know the pieces. It's but it's that part of Lord. I want to step out in faith if if that door is open. But at the same time, I I don't want to test you of like, okay, I'm going to force this and quit, and then you do know. you realize that if you went in and quit before he told you to, you'd be laying a fleece. Yeah, I'm going to quit to show huh. you how serious I am, God. Now, yeah. Show me that that you'll come through, and that's not the heart of it at all. No, of course of, not. Know, the heart is I want <laughs> I want to be available and I want to do. Yeah. Um, but what if he has you in there for three more months? What if he has you in there for six more months? What if he has you in there for three more days? Yeah. You're not going to know until he tells you, and when he tells you, you're going to go do it, and you're going to feel good about it. Yeah. But sometimes when we when we want to take a step of faith, what we're actually trying to do is impress God. I'm going to prove to you that I'm willing to just jump off the end of the dock. And he's saying, all you're going to do is get wet because yeah. I haven't set up the boat yet. <laughs> you know, so you're just going to fall in the water. Well, good yeah. job. I'm glad you're, you know, you've got a son. Okay. Yep. So, you know, sometimes he just gets hyper excited about something. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he's just going to do it because he's hyper excited oh, about yeah. it. And you're like, don't jump yet. I'm not there to catch you yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's a walk of listening and it's a walk of peace and it's a lot walk of trusting that God has a plan, uh, and that I can't force his hand. I can't make it happen because it seems like a good time to me. All I can do is wait until he starts giving me the goes and go and make sure if he's telling me no, that I'm not resisting or if he's telling me to go that I'm not resisting. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I know I can feel that I'm at the, the last green light. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for that last green light. Yep. And, and that's been my prayer life now in that, for that situation of, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for the last green light when you want to put it forward. So now it's, it's that itchy game of, was, was, was that, was that, was that, (laughs) you know, when I already know, like in, in the past, God's been very faithful to be, to, to be clear on, okay, you know, okay, yeah. okay. Showtime. Showtime, exactly. Yeah. And so that's that's been the the struggle with this whole stepping out of faith is, you know, not wanting to test God, but at the same time wanting to be patient in for His timing. You yeah. know, and, and I see that happen in a lot of people of, you know, they they get impatient with God's timing, so they go. Okay, well, I'm going to force this. Yeah. You know, or they're on the other end of it. I'm not going to touch anything or do anything. I'm going to sit under this tree and, <laughs> and, and God will just magically make sure, it happen. Sure, it's the opposite you know. side. You know, I, I'm not paying my bills, but it's okay. God's going to take care of it because he hasn't Precisely. shown me a job yet. Well, you might want to get out and find a job. You, know? <laughs> you mean you have to get off the couch and uh, stop eating Cheetos? could be that you quit that job when you weren't supposed to, and that's why you're out of a job and out of an income. No. Have you, have you made stumbles like that of course in your past of like, course. Times I mean, where you're like how do you think out? i know that you get some of these <laughs> answers you know I've, I've done the dumb things i've tested yeah. god i've tried to push him i've tried to make things happen 
you know, I've tried to go to people and say, I could do this for you. And they're like, well, it's okay, but I, I don't need anybody to do this yeah. for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's just part of the, uh, hopefully, the opportunity I have to say to you, you're on track. Yeah. The timing is right. It is all working out. There's a bigger picture happening, and it's going to happen for you. You don't have to try to force it. You don't even have to try to figure it out. You just have to not resist and walk through the plan. And when he tells you it's time, it's time. And if he hasn't told you it's time, it's because it's not time. time. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So, you know, we have this. Uh, um, this peace that we're supposed to walk in. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have this um, peace that passes our understanding. I, I can't figure out what you're doing, God. And if I try to, I get out of peace. That's that's a good point. That's when the lack of peace starts bubbling up is when I'm trying to figure out, was this it? Was it? Is that it? When are you going to do this? Yeah. You know? But yeah. if I just Walk it out. my day and, walk, and it out. walk it out. Walk it out. There's still peace. Yeah. yeah, I still have peace about that other person coming forward. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've, I, I know my person. Now it's just a matter of, okay, Lord, I'm, whenever you yeah, want to do this. What, what happens is, and, and I'll, I'll just give you a scenario, not saying this is true for you. What happens is you find out at your company, the guy coming back, they're going to put in a different job. Yeah. But they really have realized they no longer need you in your position and they feel bad about that. So they're going to give you like a two month severance package to try to help you find another place. And yeah. God just provided you two months of income <laughs> instead of you Good walking point. in and saying, I know I'm supposed to go here, so I'm going to quit. It's like, well, you can do that, but you'll lose two months of pay over it. <laughs> if you would have just waited, ta-da, ta-da. I'd take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so you get out there and, and then we get into the, uh, uh, you know, we blame God because it's not going well when it's not going well, because we made decisions he never told us to make. And that's, it happens. You know, I know I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've had other times where, you know, when I was managing the Kilwins uh, up in Madison, um, my wife and I were really praying about coming down to help Massey was self-evident. Yeah. And we were really praying with, okay, Lord, kind of what's your timing. And it's amazing how, we stayed patient with it and our apartment lease was ending like August 31st and we can, well, do we start a new lease? Do we not? Do we start a new lease? Do we not? And after praying about it, we're not going to start a new lease and, and we'll, we'll see what, what the Lord does with yeah. it. But the beautiful thing was my job was coming to a close. Like I could just tell the season was coming to an end at Kilwins right. and it was, it was a great time, a great season and it ended really well. It was just, I could tell the owner was going into a new step and he was a complete faithful believer. He completely supportive of me. And when I came to tell him, look, I think I'm supposed to go help Massey was self-evident and he figured out what it was. He's like, this is totally you. Yeah. This is completely you. And I saw that transition into a new stage and my wife, you know, the hospital that she was a nurse at, she saw a complete close to that season. Unfortunately, things really dropped off right after she left. But it was like, boy, Lord, you saved her from a lot of heartache and emotional pain. Yep. You know, so we look back and we see, okay, the seasons for both our jobs came to a close. Um, The season opened up to move down here. And it was that faithful step, that faithful walk of, you know, Ecclesiastes talks about 
the seasons, sure. right? There, time there's for time for everything. And when we're faithful, when we're, we're staying connected to the Lord and having that peace with him, that relationship with him, we can sense those seasons. Yeah. We can sense the birth pains of the season. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's, that's to the listener of when you're connected with the Lord, you feel those seasons. You, you notice those seasons going on and, and whether they're coming to a close or opening up the changes, you know, you can feel in the spirit. Okay. The Lord's starting to birth something new. Absolutely. Now you, you have a job at Killwinds that you've, um, I don't know how long you were there, but you kind of got the thing down. You understand it. You know what you're doing. Yep. She has a job at a hospital. Yep. Um, made her friends, got her connections. This is just your life. You know, these people, it's all rocking and rolling, but then something happens in us spiritually that I'm not going to try to throw a Bible verse on it, but I think you'll understand it. You get released. Yeah, absolutely. You get released from the desire to be there. You Mm -hmm. get released from the friendships. You get into this place where I don't even know what's next, but I know something just happened that made me think this is not my future. Yeah. And I got released from that. So then you can be in that pocket of, okay, you're moving, you're doing something (laughs) because you just gave me the desire to quit when I've never had a desire to quit. Not, not that I, I don't like it. Not that I, I want to get out of here, but that I'm coming and all of a sudden I'm feeling a little bit like a stranger here. Like this is not where I'm supposed to be. So just open the door and I'll go to the new place. All part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of how God prepares your heart, uh, and and then He lays this new seed in you, and then He gives you a release from that job, and then He lines up the travel, and boom, you're down here. That actually gives a whole new perspective to what happened in that, because I've always saw it as a carrot and stick situation. Because when I was at Kilwins, the owner and I were in real deep conversations about opening up a new store, mm-hmm. so I would have had ownership in a new store and it, it would have been mine. And I, I saw, boy, this is, I've always wanted to own a business and, yeah. and this is my opportunity to get on the big stage in, in a certain sense. So there was that potential and that opportunity that, that was right there. And then self-evident comes along. And in the spirit, I was like, Yes, this is this is really what I'm supposed Which to do. Which actually doesn't make sense with no. the other opportunity that's in front of you. Absolutely. The other opportunity seems like a whole lot more exciting monetarily, great mm-hmm. position, but he released you from it. Yep. So that your heart turned over here and you said no, this is actually an attractive opportunity even though the numbers don't seem to add up, yeah. the long-term opportunity <laughs> is different and and I always saw that as a letdown as opposed to a release. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I always saw it as a letdown of like, boy, I was going this direction. And then all of a sudden it just went, you know, and, and yeah. I've had some stuff. He pulled that desire here, out of you. You know, yeah. that the same idea. And boy, that's really a revelation of he released me from it. It wasn't he was letting me down. It was I'm releasing you from this that you're you're passionate about because I've got something else for you that I know is deep desire in your heart. You know that we've talked about here at Revive before about that scripture that says God will give you the desires of your heart. Yep. And and the fact that that's been so misinterpreted that people think whatever they desire, God will give you that. Yeah. Because I desire a nice car, God's going to give me a nice <laughs> car because that's the desire of my heart. Where what the scripture is actually saying is God will give you the desires 
that are in your heart. Yeah. In other words, he's not giving you something in response to your desire. He's giving you the desire that's in your heart. You so what happens is you're at kill wins, and up until that point, the desire that he placed in your heart was to succeed well and have another business and all that. But then he gave you a new desire in your heart, and the yeah. new desire that he gave you was for self-evident. Yeah. So for us internally, for our soul, for our spirit, it's then easy to let go of this. People thought I was crazy when I was leaving literally big six-figure numbers to go serve at a church. And it was because (laughs) the desire I had to do that got taken away and a new desire got put in there. He gave me a desire in my heart to be in ministry. took three years, but that was all part of the plan, all part of the process, all part of me being here today. Uh, And quite honestly, I don't know where we're going. (laughs) Uh, I've given up on trying to dictate to him where the church is going to be, how big it's going to be, what all we're going to do. You end up just saying, okay, just show me, just teach me, just bring the people, just set it up, and I won't say no. And being in the will of God for me is not saying no. You mean you've stopped sending God your five-year plan on what you think it should yeah, be? With my mission plan, my mission <laughs> yeah. statement, and all that. You know, uh, you know what we want to do here at Revive is we want to put the Word of God and the Spirit of God together. Uh, so we have a church that doctrinally has a foundation, and yet that doctrine is uh, moved by the Spirit. In other words, we Absolutely. understand those things so that we can more fully understand the movement and the power of the Spirit. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, we say that we want to set up a place where people can encounter God. So when you come in here, you don't sing three sterile songs, listen to a, a pump-you-up message, and go home, but you're actually here for the environment that allows you to have this conversation, this connection, this encounter with God, uh, which is life-changing for, for most of us. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I've said this before. Most of us, uh, our day is made. It's made if I get one word from God that I know was for me. Just Absolutely. one simple direction, one simple answer, one simple anything, because in that day, in that moment, I got to talk to God, yeah. and I got a word, and, and, and one thing that was a question for me is no longer a question because he released that pain, because he opened that door, or whatever. I think it's the same way in walking out your faith. Stop trying to prove to God you're faithful. Because yeah. what we do is we get ahead of God when we try to prove we're faithful. We want to take these big steps of faith to show him like he doesn't know my heart already. <laughs> I hate to say it, but he it's, knows what right. I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do yeah. uh, or what I don't have the faith yet to do. And, and he wants to succeed in his plan. He's going to succeed in his plan. And if I want to be a part of it, I can't tell him what it is. How does how does that blend or or match up with moments of testing of your faith? God presenting opportunities of will you walk in faith on this? Yeah, you know? uh, testing is something that that if you go look in the Bible in the dedicated testing times when someone we know was tested, yeah, there is a dichotomy that goes on between temptation and testing. Temptation is always for the purpose of drawing you away from God. Mm. And testing is always for the purpose of drawing you closer to God. So when something comes my way that wants to draw me away from God, I know that's a temptation. When something comes my way that is attempting to make me closer to God, then I know that's testing. I do not believe that God ever tests you for the purpose of you failing. 
He's always testing you for the purpose of growing your faith. Yeah. So he doesn't lay a test in front of you that he knows you're going to fail. God would never, as a father, you wouldn't do it to your son. No. You would never set him up knowing that he's going to fail. You're setting him up for something you fully know he's capable of, but he may not know he's capable of it, but you want him to know he's capable of it. So God puts that test out there to say, I know you can do it. Now, will you step up and do it? And he wants that success. You put your son up to bat. You know if he swings that bat in time with that ball, he can hit it, okay? So you want to put him up there and let him do that. Why? So he can get the confidence of hitting that ball. God's the same way with testing. It's not that he's setting something out there to see if we can figure it out, maybe we fail, maybe we pass, whatever. I believe every time God sets up test for us, it's for us to succeed. And he's going to walk us through the opportunity to succeed because he wants the net result. So it's it's a almost... I know what you'll be able to do with this. It's almost a, I know you will succeed on this if you, if you follow it and make the right choice. Um, I, I'm trying to think how to word it. Uh, I think everybody uses the example of Abraham yeah. with Isaac. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is there's no doubt within Abraham. Yeah. There, there's no statement of, are you sure about this, Lord? There's, he. First thing Let in the morning. One more time before I raise this knife. Yeah, exactly. The first thing in the morning, he's taking Isaac up the mountain. Yeah, up early, you know, and and he follows the whole process, and there's never a, a question. Um, a lot of us, I think, get into the point of, well. Let me pray about this one more time before I raise the knife or while I'm raising the knife. Because yeah. are, are you sure about this, Lord, that yeah. this is what you want? Fleece. You know, it, the fleece. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm giving you one opportunity to go ahead and tell me no. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just yeah. just now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and. It can be difficult for people to. Back off of that and yet make the step. And it sounds kind of confusing, but, but yeah, like sometimes it's hard for us to, okay, I'll make this step because I know this is a step of faith as opposed to let me make this step to show you that I've got the faith. Like you were talking about before. Um, and I think for me, the the difference in the scenario and we'll we'll come back to finances, but the difference in the scenario would have been if Abraham had told God, I'm going to prove to you how much my faith is. I'm going to go sacrifice my son to Good you. Good point. He Good never point. asked him to do that. Yeah. But the test was, are you willing to go all the way? I think he knew Abraham. The scripture actually says, now I know that you would give your only son. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a conversation he's having with Abraham because I believe he knew Abraham could go all the way. Because think of the parallel to Christ's crucifixion if he hadn't. Absolutely. (laughs) It would be, you know, he kind of has to succeed so we can write this story down so we can realize that the father took his only begotten son there and he took him on a three day journey and he put the wood on him and he took him up to a place of sacrifice uh, and, and, and was allowing that to happen. 
and and then there was this substitute lamb. Okay, yeah. uh, that whole story would have been shot if he'd gone up there and stabbed yeah. him and killed him. <laughs> Which you and I had a conversation a long time ago. I had asked you about Moses, yeah, and striking the stone the second yeah. time, yeah, and and you had stated, look, he didn't let him into the promised land because he misrepresented Christ, Christ, yeah, because the the rock Jesus Christ only gets struck once. Yeah. The picture was supposed to be the rock gets struck once for all of mankind. He went back and struck him again out of anger, and 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 God's consequence for that was you're kind of messing up the picture here. <laughs> so I'm just going to pull you out. You know? I had a whole plan for how this was supposed <laughs> to look, and you kind of screwed it up. You know, so. uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I doubt there's a a a spiritual significance to can I crucify Christ twice? I think in Hebrews it talks about can we put yeah. him back on the cross yeah. a second time and. And, and I think maybe there's a parallel there for Moses not yeah. going into the promised land. But, um, you know, I, I personally have found that God tests you to move you forward in your faith, not to, not to, not to watch you fail. Yeah. And that's finances tend to be that real tough stumbling block for people. Sure. Yeah, you know, because there's a story that I, I heard a long time ago from a pastor on the radio, and he was talking about there was a man in his congregation who felt, I'm supposed to sell my house and give the money. Mm -hmm. And the man was super excited about it. He was super joyful. And he goes to his small group for his Bible study and tells them, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And they talk him out of it. Yeah. You know, um, and there's there's kind of that financial of they looked at it as this isn't bad decision. That's yeah, not God. This God isn't logic. Yeah. yeah. God wouldn't ask you to sell your house yeah. and give the money away. And he was seeing it as. I've been asked to sell my house, therefore I want to make this step of faith. Um, but I think going back to that idea of are you making a step or are you forcing a step? Yeah. Um, people will do that with finances. They go, oh, well, if I sell my house and give the money, then God will approve of that step of faith as opposed to I've been called to sell my house yeah. and give the money. Yeah. You know, it's an obedience issue there. Yeah. I mean, if, if he really believes that was a, uh, a voice of God telling him to do that, uh, then my advice would be that you don't have an option. You have to do it. Now, yeah. if it wasn't God and God knew you did it thinking it was God, God will restore you. Yeah. But, you know, if you were deceived, if you will. Uh, but if it was God and you were supposed to sell your house, then you need to because you won't reap the blessing of what he's trying to do for you. Yeah, and that's, I think, that goes back to, are you are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord on these decisions? Are you, are you sitting and being peaceful and quiet to hear the Spirit on what's going on? Because I think a lot of, a lot of times people get more into a methodology. Uh, I think a, a lot of people get really <laughs> stupid with money. Well, that too. <laughs> so here's a question okay. for you. People get stupid with money. Yeah. Does God kind of let them eat the consequence Absolutely. of it? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I just talked about this the other night about, uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s, uh, late 80s and early 90s uh, as a 20-year-old when the gas prices were going from like 60 cents up to, you know, a buck and a quarter kind yeah. of thing. And everybody knew the gas prices were going up. And I watched person after person after person after person go get rid of their paid for 12 or 15 mile a gallon car 
to go pick up a $400 payment on a car that got 25 miles to the gallon because the price was going up and never did the math to realize that they're now $150 behind where they would have been if they'd have kept the old car. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we tend to make these situations, and, and sadly enough, it's a Christian thing, yeah. where we think God is blessing us if the credit gets approved. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and so we go down, and, and, and what we need to do is buy a $3,000 car that's going to need you know $500 worth of repair a year, uh, and we get talked into... Uh, taking out a $25,000 loan with a $400 a month payment. And then we say it's God because our credit got approved because our credit's so bad. And yet they loaned us the money. And it's like, okay, do the math. Your credit is bad. And now you're taking on more, you know, that, that should give you a little signal that maybe, yeah. a, maybe expensive car is not what you need. The, the debtor is slave to the lender. Absolutely, right? man. And, and, and so we don't see it. What we see is God bless me with a new car. Yeah. But six months from now, when you realize you can't make that payment and you're stressed out and that car also has a problem, yeah. uh, you're going to realize that wasn't God. Nope. That was just me wanting a car and blaming God for giving me a credit when I shouldn't have had it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, I think <laughs> we've all made probably made those, cho- yes. those choices and mistake. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think back to when I was in North Dakota, I really wanted an old pickup, yeah. uh, like a classic pickup. And of course, so then it became a prayer moment of, Lord, I'd really like this pickup, blah, blah, blah. And this one presented itself, you know, and, and so I spent the $5,000 on this 70 Chevy C20 mm-hmm. and it became such a burden to me, mm-hmm. such a burden. Mm-hmm. It was always a, sitting at somebody else's house because I didn't have space for it and it ran about 60% of the time yep. and it I was always worried and concerned about it and finally unloaded it. But it, through those times, it was like, Lord, you, you gave me this blessing that's just completely turned into a curse when in actuality, I kept forcing the issue of, I really want this, I want this, I want this, yep. give it to me. Yep. You know? Yeah. I, I, you know, and you're a young man, yeah. so I really hope that if you haven't already, you really learn that having... $20,000 in the bank and no debt. Oh, absolutely. Even though you're yeah. driving a 10 year old car and living in a smaller house is such a better feeling than having the nice house, the nice car and tons of debt absolutely. And, and no extra money. So, you know, if you're in that place where you've made that decision uh, and, and you decide, you know what, here in a couple of weeks, I want to go on a cruise. It's no problem. Yeah. You got the money in the bank, you go on the cruise, you know? Yeah. Uh, but when you start saying, well, you know, this car is 10 years old and it's got 100,000 miles on it. It's probably time for me to get a brand new one, which, I, you know, we could talk all night about getting a brand new car, which I think is probably one of the dumbest moves a person can make get, is getting a brand new car. Get Dave Ramsey on the issue. You you know, know? I, I, would, I would probably have a Ramsey moment on you yeah. because uh, uh, it's just absolutely insane some of the decisions we make. And yeah. we really believe, you know, we really believe if I've got this income, uh, and it can support this payment, I will always have that income. Yeah. And we don't think about the layoff. We don't think about the cutting over time. We don't think that we, we build our life based on what that check is. And can I use all of that funds to have a good time yeah. instead of saying it's not always going to be there. So I would rather bank. Uh, you know, I think there was a book written back in the eighties called the millionaire next door. Uh, yep. and, and the conversation was really, you know, he lives very, very simply. 
and he doesn't have anything fancy, but the dude's got a million bucks in the bank, so if yeah. he wanted something, he could go get it. You, you know? You'd never be able to tell it's because he's just living next door to you. you yeah. I, I Actually, I've got a quick story for that. Go. When my wife and I were in Madison, we were able to really sock away a good chunk of money, and we moved down here, and we thought, okay, self-evident will take off, and everything will, will work great. Self-evident didn't take off like we thought it was going to. Yeah. And we started really eating into our savings to, to float ourselves. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of like, okay, Lord, you gave us this and, and now we're losing it. Yeah. And we go back to Madison to visit and we went to a church service at our old church and, and our pastor was doing some sermon about I don't know what. And he had kind of a throwaway byline talking about, look, the Lord, you know, using the... the um, Joseph's story, the Lord will give you surplus in order to carry you through the famine. You know, he'll yeah. give you seven years of surplus seven years to, yeah, sure. in order to give you for the seven years of famine. Correct. And she and I walked out of that and went, that's what happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Lord, I owe you a big apology yeah. because you gave us the surplus to carry us through the lean time. You know, and I think we... We definitely lost that perspective. So I'm sure yeah. a lot of people will because, like you said, they hit a certain income, they hit a certain level, style of living, and they go, oh, well, this will carry me through so right. I can just keep going. Keep yeah. going and rack it up. It, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if God designed this whole thing where we didn't have to learn in retrospect? <laughs> you know, No more 2020, just you, you know, forward? I mean, the, the truth <laughs> is your best life lessons you have to learn and they're all behind you mm -hmm. and you just don't want to make those same decisions going forward. And the sad thing it is you get up to your 60, 70, 80 years old where you can't even enjoy life as much as you could have because yeah. it took you to then <laughs> to learn how to enjoy it. You know? <laughs> it's, it's that, that play of like you have your youth, but your stupidity, then you have your old age, but your wisdom, if uh, only you could have youth and wisdom at the same time. That, that right? would be a very nice thing, but I, I don't think it comes when you're young because uh, I'm not seeing it a lot in some of our youth. But um, this, is, this is, I think, maybe a, a summation statement about faith. Um, faith, uh, by definition, has to be unseen. So yeah. if you're ever doing something that you know the outcome, you know the results, you know the next decision, that's not faith. Yeah. God says you can't please him without faith because he's looking for trust is what he's looking for. He's looking to say, do you trust me enough with your future that you will keep walking toward what you don't see hmm. and, and, and trust that I will tell you when to look right, when to look left, when to go forward. I saw There's a video right now, I think, out on, uh, on Facebook. I saw just a couple days ago where a pastor takes a woman and blindfolds her in the church service. Have you seen this? No, no. Um, she's about four people in in a pew, and he, he puts his blindfold on her, and he says, okay, now I want you to stand up, and I want you to turn to your right, and I want you to take four steps. And so the people all kind of scoot back, and she takes four steps, and she gets out into the aisle. He said, now I want you to turn to your left. So now she's walking down toward the stage. And he grabs a lady's purse, and he puts it right in front of her. And he said, now I want you to take a big step forward, really a high step forward. And so she takes this step over the purse, and he said, now do the same thing with your other foot. And he, he, he puts three or four purses in front yeah. of her and he gets her down and then he gets her, you know, right down front. And he says, OK, now I want you to take a step to the left and put your feet together. And then he's gone and got like a, a five gallon bucket or something, a, a stool of some kind. And he puts it behind her. And he said, now I want you to sit down. And he's standing there with the bucket kind of lining it up for her to sit on it. 
And his point is, you had no idea where you were going. You got exactly where I want you to go. And I had to line up the things to get you there. Yeah. And so he's saying that's how God is, that you don't know where you're going, but he's lining up where he wants you to end up. And you've got to trust him that that bucket will be underneath <laughs> you when you sit down, yeah. that you'll know when to take a high step, that you'll yeah. know when to go to the left or the right or whatever. Faith tends to be that way. Uh, it's it's nebulous thing of not knowing but trusting God. Uh, and it takes a while. It takes a while because when you balance that against, and I think this is, again, the biggest the biggest journey I've had, Mm. When you balance it against my desire to please God, I'm always looking for what I can do. What can I do to make you know I'm in, I'll go. Yeah. I'm reading every single data point to show, oh, is God in that, is God in that, is God in that? Yeah. Because he is. I definitely want to do that. Definitely. I don't think God hides those things from you. I think he rolls them out, and, and you get at peace, and you follow them in peace. Yeah. Uh, and, and you end up at places you never expected to be, and would have never got there under your plan. <laughs> that's that's a really good point that he's not going to hide it from you. It's not going to be something where it's it's written underneath the desk and unless you just happen to be crawling underneath the desk, you know, you're not going to see it. Yeah. He'll he'll place them there to where you see it and you go, "Okay, that's you know." A quick story and and, and I, don't, I don't know how much time we have, yeah. but Quick story, you know enough of my history to know that six years ago I got asked to leave a church. Uh, That, for me, was a total faith moment because I had no idea what was ahead, could not understand where we were going or what we're doing. But it was a result of going down to Columbia, going to a church service, and getting baptized in the Spirit. Well, that baptism in the Spirit allowed me to see and understand things that I never had before, which then allowed me, uh, you know, under his plan to be the guy he could use for revived church. I never saw revived church. As a matter of fact, in, in the time after I got let go, I was, I was thinking I was going to go back to manufacturing because I knew hmm. it. It was easy. I mean, where do you go when you've been a senior pastor and then your church asks you to leave? No. You know, it's not exactly great <laughs> resume material. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, he said, no, I'm, I'm using that. That's all you walking in faith. You have no idea there's another church ahead of you. You have no mm-hmm. idea it's going to be a, a more of a charismatic church. You have no idea what you're going to learn in the Spirit. You're just going to have to trust me that that, that happened, that baptism in the Spirit was part of my plan for revived church, even though it didn't exist at the time. Yeah. That's walking blind, man. Which you, you see the leaving of the church or being asked to leave, yeah. you know, if we don't see that properly, we see it as, what are you doing, God? This no, failed. You here's know, the reality. This mistake happened. We couldn't know. accomplish what we've accomplished at Revive in the way of people understanding the Spirit, getting baptized in the Spirit, moving in their gifts. I couldn't have done it at the previous church. Yeah. No offense, but but that wasn't a door that was open there. Yeah. So it was part of his plan to pull me out to do something different that I didn't even see coming. I didn't see the baptism of the Spirit coming. <laughs> I didn't see the, the ask to leave coming. Yeah. I didn't see the revived church coming. But you just keep going and don't resist and let him open the doors. Yeah, absolutely. And stay at peace. Stay at peace because you'll create a lot of chaos if you don't. Which we, you know, Which we it, tend to do when we, we try to figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, that fun. and actually... I, I tend to read um, in the morning section of Old Testament, section of New Testament, and, and I just read Mary and Martha. Yeah, and you know, one's in the kitchen trying to prepare everything, and the yeah. other one's at Christ's feet. One of them's at peace, and one of them's not. P- 
precisely. <laughs> you just reminded me of that. Look, are we in the kitchen like trying to make things work for yeah. God yeah. or are we at his feet? I, I think we believe somewhere inside of us that we're not capable of actually seeing him and that he's moving all around us. And if we were sharper and more astute, we'd see it. Yeah. So what we Absolutely. tend to end up doing is spending all of our time trying to evaluate all the data yep. to figure out what he's doing. Uh, and the truth is, if he's doing it, he's not hiding it from you. Yeah. He's really, okay, this is kind of off subject if you don't mind. No, go for it. I grew up in a church, in a denomination that had a very, very, very staunch system for your salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, or you were not saved. Mm-hmm. Okay, And they had a scripture to support each one of those. But then I would read places in the Bible where it says, you know, he saved them because of this, or because of this salvation was brought to the people. Mm-hmm. And I began wondering, is the five all of it? Because I, I, I'm saved, I, I did those five, but now I see there's two more. <laughs> was this always a game of mystery where I had to figure out exactly all, maybe there's 10 total and I just don't know them yet. Well, maybe I'm not saved yet. It made me doubt my salvation because I thought it was hidden from me and I wouldn't ever be able to figure it out. And if I didn't figure it out, I wouldn't get saved. Yeah. I don't think God works with us like that. I think he actually loves us. I think he actually <laughs> has plans for us. I think he intends for us to succeed. Yeah. Uh, the difference is we want to know the whole plan now. Okay, yeah. uh, so you get your kids and you put them in the car and you tell them we're going to Disney and they are pumped up and excited. So I'm with Mickey, ride the rides. We're going to do all this great stuff. But on your way, you stop in the gas station and they're like, wait a minute, this is not Disney. What are we doing here? Why, why did we stop? Why did, oh, my gosh, the whole thing must be off. Dad's not doing it. And Dad's saying, no, we'll never actually get there if we don't get some gas in the tank. OK, so they don't understand that 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 is part of the plan. And then you get on the highway and you're going up the toll road and all of a sudden, boom, the tire blows out, flat, 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 flat. And your kid is broken now. Oh, oh, the car broke down. We don't get to go. This is horrible. The disaster has happened. The whole plan of God is off. And you're like, watch this, man. It's like a Christmas story moment. I'm going to change this in four minutes, okay? <laughs> boom, and no tires on and you're still going. Yeah. And, and, and what happens is we end up getting caught up in all the all the all the intricacies of getting us there and figuring out what they mean and how yeah. they can affect us and what we're supposed to do in the meet. And the bottom line is God's going to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> Chill out. He'll get you there. We, he wants you there. And, yeah. and we have to have that faith and that trust. Look, look, he loves you. He'll get you there. He does. You can, you can rest in him. He does. <laughs> you know, he does. I mean, you know, God is such an amazing, loving, perfect father. Uh, and, and he is for you. He's not against you. Uh, and if he's for you, what can be against you? And he tells you over and over and over and over and over, I got you. I got your back. I'm taking you there. I'll yeah. never leave you or forsake you. Uh, and yet, oh, my gosh, did, because I didn't say uh, thank you to that waitress, he may be punishing me for a day or two to where yeah. I, I can't move forward until I go repent and, and maybe go back over there and say thank you to that waitress. And, man, what a burden we carry. Yeah, and Christ tells us, look, my burden isn't heavy. <laughs> it's Chill light. Out. Chill out. Chill out. I've I'll got you. you. Yeah, you know? it's good. It's all good. God's good. Well, awesome. Hey, I want to say thank you so much for, for coming out. Man, I enjoy know. talking to you, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I love good. these. I, I, I'm always excited when I'm like, ah, I get to sit down with Pastor Todd. Yeah, it's good. Talk, it's good, you know? man. I, I'm so excited about your future, man. I mean, I, I see the system you're coming up in. Um, 
we are at a absolute apex in this country right now for what yeah. you guys are doing for your ministry for people uh, I met with a group of pastors the other day uh, and and I told them I said you don't understand the value of self-evident just to the pastor in learning what we have the right to say from our pulpit and what we don't okay because most pastors do not know and out of fear yeah. they are not saying what they should be saying they're not teaching a whole truth because yeah. they're afraid somebody's going to come in and take the 501 somebody's going to yeah. come in and try to arrest me i'm going to be called hate speech i'm going to be thrown out in social media everything's going to go bad going to lose the church and the reality is those are all things you can say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you and have quite, the right and liberty to say these yeah, things. Yeah, and, and maybe there are some things with liberty we need to be able to say so that the media does come crashing in, so that the authorities do come in, so the pot gets stirred, yeah. so we can prove these are things that are of God and we can say them. And then we get a national voice that we never had Absolutely. because we were afraid to take a risk and, and, and know what we couldn't, couldn't say. Yeah, and we're... we're I'm, Thankfully, you said that because we're watching that right now in, in social media um, and especially YouTube and Facebook. They are stirring the pot because they're trying to censor down these voices. They're trying oh my goodness. to, to You look at the mayor of Houston, stuff. what was that, a couple years Precisely, ago? yeah. Wanting to, you know, kind of <laughs> subpoena, if you will, the sermons so yep. she could claim them as hate speech. And it's like, this is crazy. You know, we're preaching the Bible. It's the <laughs> word of God, you know. I stand very, very firmly on this is not my opinion. Yeah. This is the truth of God. I'm just expressing the truth of God. And I, I love the response of sending thousands of Bibles to her office and saying, this is our sermon. <laughs> Here you go. It's in there. <laughs> it's in, it's there. in there. Go it's ahead. a whole bunch of them. That's my whole, that's my whole year's worth of sermon. Right exactly. And, and those events. And, and it, thank you for those that word because self-evident, that's exactly we want to be able to give people the tools in order to step into those situations. Absolutely. So I'm not backing down. Absolutely. And no more is the church going to back down and allow people to take these steps against us and say, you can't say that. Correct. You can't say that. And don't do that. Just stay inside your walls. No. Yeah. Well, we, we can't let a ungodly society dictate our voice for God. Precisely. Uh, and, 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 and again, I believe that most people their fear of being able to stand up for the truth of God comes from the oppression they think they're going to get from government and from mm -hmm. social media and these kind of things. Uh, and, and the truth is the truth. Yeah. And so if we can't say the truth, what are we doing? We, we just become a social media club. Yeah. You know, hey, let's don't offend anybody. And you heard me say last night, man, there are times I need my feelings hurt. Yeah. I need to be yeah. offended so I can hear truth. Yeah, we don't like it, but truth hurts sometimes. but you guys are doing you know? a great job you Thank really you so are much. man I mean, it's a very very valuable thing i think it is the the place our country is currently in with the oppression that's coming against hate speech and mm -hmm. the christian the christian uh, uh with with the the rise of islam in our government mm -hmm. the whole bit it is just an absolute um uh, perfect storm for what you guys offer, you yeah. offer a calm in that storm and, and, and you bring a, a civility to it and you bring an intelligence to it and you bring a foundational word to it. So, man, I, I encourage you uh, that uh, you're going to be on the scene and you are going to be in prominent places and you are going to be giving a message that's very needed in the church today uh, and outside the church. Because there has to be a recognition outside the church of what our Constitution agrees and allows. Absolutely. And and 
we are here to be the salt of the earth. We are here to be the light on the lampstand. Self-evident is a great ministry. And and I really look forward to what he's going to do with you in it because it's your time. It is. It's your time and it's going to happen and and he'll, he'll open every door and set up every path and you'll walk right through it. I know you will. I know you're not going to resist him. (laughs) I know you're not turning down. I know you're hungry. Uh, So as long as you don't get ahead of him, it'll be a whole lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. So thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So guys, Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to say again, thank you to Pastor Todd Mazingo. Please find Revive Church online, um, reviveusnow.com. Reviveusnow.com. Yep. So reviveusnow.com. Also, if you want to check them out on YouTube, they have his sermons on YouTube. They have uh, Massive Revive Church channel. Yep. yep. Revive channel. Subscribe. Okay. Make sure to subscribe. Also, you have us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, pretty much all of them. Um, so come out, support, support us, support Revive Church, support people who are doing this, people who are standing up and speaking out about this stuff, because right now is the time that we really need to coalesce together and we need to make the voices heard. And I'm not calling for revolution, guys. You know that. No, our heart is for the gospel to go forth and for it to be a part of society, everyday society. Look, if we can't have Christ in everything, it's not worth it, right? So um, thank you again, guys, for tuning in. We will see you next week. Love you guys.